Yo, this is David, back again with another episode of Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 82. It is a snowy Sunday here in Texas, if you can believe that. A lot of heavy snow falling kind of a few hours south of me. But uh, where I'm at, it's not sticking, but it's coming down nice and steady, so it's nice to look at. So I've been kind of out and about outside for a while, and now I'm kind of inside thawing out with a nice cup of coffee. Decided to record the episode, so uh, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get this one out on time, but things worked out to where I, uh, I had the time, so I'm happy that I'm able to stay on schedule here. Alright, let's jump straight in. We're going uh, to a band from Australia. It's been around since 2016. Um, they're called Depravity, and they have been heavily promoted by uh, Transcending Obscurity Records uh, lately. This new album of theirs has gotten a lot of really good press and really good reviews, and uh, they're just about to do an LP release because um, it came out, you know, on CD and digitally and stuff like that. But the L- LPs, the vinyls, were still kind of in production. So now they've been kind of uh, showing, I guess, like pre-orders for some of the different variants, um, color variants for the LPs, and they look amazing. And uh, so, yes, I had to check out the album because it was very front and center when it comes to the promotion from uh, from that label recently. So I checked it out, and it is uh, really heavy and really intense, and it's just fast, technical death metal, but it's still somehow, even though it has a really slick modern production and everything, um, it still kind of maintains some some moments that are very kind of old, uh, morbid angel, you know, type elements. Kind of like, uh, it reminds me very much of uh, the most recent uh, Skeletal Remains record. Um, it has that same kind of vibe where there's those touches in there that kind of remind you of old deicide or old morbid angel but for the most part it uh, stays pretty brutal and technical but uh, yeah there, there's something special about this record that does set it apart from others kind of within that genre because it's very easy for things to kind of all sound the same in that genre but uh, this record is pretty damn good so the record's called grand malevolence came out on december 4th so it's still very new it's their second album and again that came out on transcending obscurity records so I'm going to play the title track off of that. This is the one that stands out to me as having some of the coolest riffing uh, on the record. But uh, it's a nice punch to the face to start off the episode. So here we go. Off of Grand Malevolence, this is Depravity with Grand Malevolence.
was Depravity with Grand Malevolence. Really good tune, and that album hits hard and heavy, and it doesn't really let up much at all from start to finish. It's a it's a real brutal, brutal experience, but it's a damn fine record, so I suggest you check it out. Um, all right, we're going to go to Athens, Greece here. This is a band that uh, formed in 97 and uh, is still going now, but it took them quite some time uh, to release anything. I think it was initially started as a one-man band, just kind of doing some demos on his own, and then uh, once it turned into a three-piece, they finally got rolling with uh, releasing some stuff. I think they've done like an EP and two full lengths now, um, but I mean, again, having been around since 97, that's not really much output for being around for that long. But uh, the band is called Chainsaw. There's lots of bands with the name Chainsaw, so it might be difficult to find this one, so you gotta find the one that's from Athens, Greece. Um, but as I said, they've got two full lengths, and uh, I'm going to play something off of the debut. Debut came out in 2014, the second one came out in 2017, and that's kind of where we stand with their discography so far. They haven't released anything, uh, uh, anything else since then. But uh, basically, this is just really good blackened thrash, and it's not even like blending those styles in the music either, because the music is very much traditional thrash, very 80s riffing, but it just has uh, some real harsh kind of black metal uh, vocals over it and uh, but the riffing is so damn good that's one of the things about thrash metal that is so appealing to me still after all these years is that it's it's very riff based and guitar based and uh, they still just um, somehow managed to still come up with interesting riffs uh, after 35 years or however long it's been but um, but yeah this is a great record the second album is uh, equally as good but i like uh, the debut a little bit better debut is called hill of crosses and it came out in december of 2014 on chainsaw distro which i think is probably just uh, a made-up label <laughs> it's a fancy way of saying that they released it themselves but um but yeah it's a really good record it has an old school vibe to it and um there's just some really cool memorable riffs and memorable songs on there so uh, this one's a favorite of mine, so here we go, off of Hill of Crosses, this is Chainsaw with Born with Horns. <laughs> Yeah. 
right, that was Chainsaw from Greece with Born With Horns. I think the production is just right for that as well. If it was any more slick, it would be too slick for their style. I think it was just dirty enough. Um, all right, we're going to jump to Poland here. This is a band that's been around since 91. Started off as a black metal band and then uh, midway through their career kind of shifted to more death metal elements and they've kind of maintained a uh, pretty good blend of the two ever since and they've become a very huge band. I am talking about Behemoth and um, a lot of people just kind of know Behemoth from, you know, let's say uh, Thelema 6 onward. Um, they don't really dive too far back in the in the back catalog. Most people that I know, they're kind of fans of, of Demigod or, you know, the Apostasy and records like that that came out in the mid-2000s, but a lot of people forget that they've been around as long as they have and that their early catalog was really just uh, exclusively black metal. And um, I, think, I think part of the reason for people overlooking that part of their discography is that it wasn't that great. <laughs> I mean... They had some cool moments and stuff, but overall those records weren't phenomenal. They, they kind of got, they found their stride uh, once they released uh, Pandemonic Incantations, which is still one of my favorites of their entire discography, but from that point onward is when they started kind of finding their sound. But uh, early on, the, the pure black metal stuff um, wasn't spectacular, but like I said, still had some great moments on there. So I'm going to play something off of their third demo. They did release several demos early in their career. And thankfully, all of those have been kind of made into a compilation now. Uh, the demo originally came out in June of 93. It's called Thy Winter Kingdom, and it was released independently. Probably, you know, cassette tapes and things like that. <clears throat> and like I said, all the demos and kind of unreleased things uh, from early in their career was compiled into one big compilation called Demonica that was released in 2006. So it makes it nice and, uh, you know, easy to access all of this material. It's all in one place on that compilation. In fact, I think that entire compilation is on Spotify as well, so you can hear all their old stuff uh, just from that. But um, but yeah, the first demo was not good, <laughs> but that's, you know, to be expected with a young band releasing their first demo. The second demo was better, and this one, the third demo, was even better. So they were, they were improving with each release. Um, but there are some good cuts on this demo. And uh, this one stands out as a favorite of mine. Uh, of course, the, uh, the sound quality is rough, but that's just the point. That adds to the atmosphere. So here we go. Off of the third demo, Thy Winter Kingdom, this is Behemoth with The Dance of the Pagan Flames.
Okay, that was Behemoth from Poland with the Dance of the Pagan Flames. I can't remember when it was, I should have looked this up and written it down, but uh, sometime in, in recent years, just within the last handful of years, uh, they did like a kind of a reunion of sorts um, at one of their, maybe an anniversary uh, concert that they may have done, celebrating however many years of existence. They had um, the original drummer who played on the first three records, I think it was, um, and all those old demos and stuff. I think his stage name was Ball Ravenlock, I want to say, Ravenlock. I could be wrong with the last uh, syllable there, <laughs> what it was, but I'm pretty sure that was it. But yeah, he um, he was a good drummer for those early records, and uh, he kind of, once he left um, Behemoth, I didn't really hear anything more of him in other bands or anything like that. But they brought him back on stage to play kind of a, a short set of some of their old stuff uh, as part of this like anniversary concert, which I didn't know that they did that until uh, I came across a photo, I think, of, of uh, him behind the kit at that show. You know, it was fairly recent that I saw this photo and, and didn't even realize that that had happened, you know, uh, a few years back. But uh, anywho, we're going to jump now to Portugal. This band's been around since 2016. I have seen this band, like pictures of this band, uh, a lot and didn't know what their band name was or anything. So like whenever I was listening to this album and enjoying it, I finally looked up the band and once I saw their picture, I was like, oh, it's these guys. Okay, I, I recognize these guys. The band is called Gerea, at least that's how I think it's pronounced. It's G-A-E-R-E-A -E -E <clears throat> and they are probably best known for having a really, really weird look. And it's one of those, I saw people posting like pictures of them saying, so is this, is this what the future of black metal is going to be? Because it's kind of strange, you know, and, and they basically wear head to toe uh, black, like hoods and gloves, like there's not a, any skin uh, exposed whatsoever. It's like everything's covered and their hoods on the front, like on the, where their face is, have these, you know, uh, designs, these, these like sigils almost uh, on there and each member has a different one. So it's very kind of uniform, and it's almost like they almost look like the uh, the mushroom head of, of black metal or something. It's a really weird look and a non-traditional look, and um, but the music is good. Like it, it, the look is is borderline comical. I think it's really weird, but uh, the music is very good. So much so that just based on the music alone, I jotted it down that I wanted to play this band on an episode. So. Uh, there is some some substance behind their their look. It's not all flash. They are a good band, um, but they've released a couple of albums so far. Again, they've only been around since 2016. They released their most recent one called Limbo on July 24th of this year, through Season of Mist. Uh, they've done an EP in two full lengths as their whole discography so far, so they're still very kind of new on the scene. But uh, this this most recent record has has uh, gotten them a lot of attention. So. But it's good stuff. Um, I'll just let you uh, listen for yourself here. And if you're curious, just Google them, man. There's lots of pictures of them with their crazy getup. <laughs> so you can see it and judge for yourself. But uh, off of their second album, Limbo, this is Gerea with Glare.
right, that was Guerrea with Glare. Um, it's good. It's really intense stuff. I mean, Portugal is not known for um, kind of staying with the status quo with their metal. I always think of Moonspell, and they've always just kind of gone to the beat of their own drum. They don't really stick to traditional black metal elements or even gothic metal elements. They just do whatever they feel like doing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you might listen to that and say, well, I don't. that's not really a traditional black metal band or whatever, but I don't think they really are trying to be either. So it's good stuff, though. All right, we're going to go to the USA out of California, a classic band that's been around since 81, but they are no more. They called it quits last year. That band is Slayer. And say what you will, they have really stayed relevant for their entire career. Like, even when this type of music was, uh, you know, maybe at its lowest point back in, like, 98, they adapt, you know? They write some chunkier songs, the lower down tuning, and they just kind of still somehow sound like Slayer, but they kind of uh, changed with the times and kept themselves relevant. And, uh, yeah, they, it's, it's a really... Uh, inspiring thing to see a band like that uh, have that long of a career and still kind of stay in the forefront. They never really had to do a, a comeback of sorts. They always were right there. But um, I'm a bit of a contrarian. I always have been. Uh, not by choice, really. It's not an intentional, like, well, if everybody zigs, then I'm going to zag. But I just kind of naturally gravitate to, you know, band members that other people don't enjoy, you know? Like, they might say, oh, I don't like that new vocalist they have, I always like the original guy or whatever, and I'm always the one guy in the back of the room that raises my hand and says, well, I like the new guy. But, um, yeah, the reason I mention that is because Dave Lombardo is, of course, a phenomenal drummer, and uh, he's, you know, a legend in the scene and still a great drummer today, but I love Paul Bostaff's drumming on the Slayer albums that he participated on. And um, I'm definitely in the minority. I mean, Paul does have a pretty big following of people uh, that support him and stuff. But yeah, there's, there's, you know, by and large, uh, everybody uh, calls for Lombardo. But to me, whenever he rejoined the band, the records that they released with him after he, they, he rejoined, they weren't very good. <laughs> Even he couldn't make them great albums. They had great moments on them, but they weren't great albums. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for me... I like the boss staff stuff uh, a lot, but maybe it's because I'm younger and, you know, whenever I was really getting into thrash and stuff like that, uh, that's when he was in Slayer, so that, that's what was right in front of me at the time. But I am going to play my favorite Slayer song of all time, which was a Dave Lombardo song. It's off of South of Heaven, which came out in July of 88. That's their fourth record. It was on Def Jam Recordings. But uh, this one is a great song, and it's really intense from start to finish, which is not surprising with it being a Slayer song. But there's uh, some really fast double bass throughout the verses of this song. And uh, one of my favorite performances of this was actually, I think, Paul's first show or second show with the band ever. And it was at this big outdoor festival for, like, part of the Clash of the Titans, I think it was. Or maybe it was live at, like, the Donington in the UK, but that's out there on YouTube. You should check it out. I think it's from 93. Um, but man, he's flying on the drums when they when they play this song. He's just nailing it. Uh, but I love that, that video, that performance of it. But this is a great tune. So here we go, off of South of Heaven. This is Slayer with Silent Scream. <laughs>
Slayer with Silent Scream. That's my favorite Slayer song of all time. I have a fun fact for you. Um, I learned this because I am a big fan of Nick Menza and I purchased his uh, autobiography, which, you know, there's a lot of eye opening stuff, I guess, as far as his interactions with Dave Mustaine and what kind of a man Dave Mustaine is. But really, it, anyone who knows anything about Dave Mustaine should, it shouldn't come as a surprise. <laughs> He's always come off as an asshole. And uh, pretty much a lot of stories in that book uh, corroborate that. So, um, but I follow Nick Menza's Facebook page. Obviously, Nick Menza is uh, is dead now, but um, one of his friends, I believe, runs the page as an admin just to kind of keep his memory alive, and is always posting old pictures of him, backstage photos, little clips of him drumming, like at his home studio, and just stuff like that. There's just little po- there's always a little post every couple of days. But yeah, there was a fun fact in the book, um, and then I was reminded of that in a Facebook post recently, um, but uh, Nick Menza almost joined Slayer. So there was a time, um, the first time Dave Lombardo left Slayer was in 87, I believe, late 87. And there was somebody else, I don't, I don't remember his name, that filled in for like a tour or half of a tour or something like that for Lombardo. And uh, uh, a lot of people just said it was a bit of a mess. Like, the guy was good, but he wasn't great. He wasn't good enough to be replacing Dave Lombardo. But uh, Nick Menza had kind of befriended the Slayer guys and uh, their management and stuff like that. Like, they they all kind of ran with the same circle. And um, so he actually, Nick actually rehearsed with Slayer to prepare for recordings for South of Heaven. And right before recordings... um, Dave wanted back in so they you know obviously having their history with Dave they opted for Dave to come back and and then Nick didn't end up playing on the record so that's pretty amazing to hear because I can't really picture Nick Menza playing on that album because Nick had like his double bass skills seemed to be more just like raw energy and enthusiasm than any sort of like technique like real solid technique so I feel like uh, some of those really fast double bass sections uh, would have been a lot more all over the place if it was Nick uh, doing it than, than Dave. But So yeah, that's an interesting fact that he almost played on South of Heaven, so that would have drastically changed the history of Slayer and of Megadeth, because if he had joined Slayer, then he obviously wouldn't have been available to join Megadeth, so we wouldn't have you know him drumming on Rust in Peace and stuff like that. So Fun facts. All right enough yammering let's continue here we're gonna go to Finland this is a band that existed from 91 to 92 so I think they existed briefly before that um, with a different name but under this name they were around from 91 to 92 so it was brief and then they disbanded and uh, they reformed in 2012 and they're still going now and they're they're releasing new material they've released uh, some new stuff already so it's two original guys and then there's some some newbies you know in the band since 2012 but um, the band is called Pertinence, and they kind of have that old Finnish death metal sound from the early 90s that you have from old, you know, Sentenced and, and bands like that and, and uh, Demigod and, you know, some of the other big name, you know, uh, death metal bands from the early 90s uh, from Finland, like old Amorphous and stuff like that. So they fit right in with that sound. Even the sound quality sounds like all of these bands recorded at the same studio pretty much in the early 90s, but... This is just kind of a forgotten gem, I guess. Um, I don't really hear much about this band when people discuss, you know, Finnish uh, uh, 
death metal. I almost said black metal. But, um, but yeah, I, I came across this just on a playlist on Spotify. It was just kind of a random hodgepodge of stuff, and this came across it, and I really liked it, so I ended up checking out uh, this album, and I really like it a lot. It's a, it has a real classic death metal sound to it. Um, the album is called Member of Immortal Damnation. It came out in 92. It was their debut. They had released an EP in 91, but this was the first like full length, and then they had disbanded after this. I think they've done two more full lengths since they reformed. But yeah, this came out in 92 on Drowned Productions. But um, this song is one that is kind of a, a standout track, and it's one that I think is, is kind of a, maybe a more popular song off of this album. So here we go off of Member of Immortal Damnation. This is Pertinence with Black Vision. <laughs>
There you have it. That was Pertinence from Finland with Black Vision. I love the kick drum sound. It's just that real organic kick drum sound. And the vocals. Um, but yeah, that just fits right in with that classic death metal scene in Finland back then. Um, all right, we're going to jump to Ireland here. This is a band that's been around since 2013, and most know it as a side project of uh, Alan Averill from Primordial. And the band is called Dread Sovereign, and uh, he this is probably he's been in several little side projects here and there over the years, but this is the one that he probably speaks of the most and seems to be the most proud of, like outside of Primordial. Um, when I first heard this band, I just wasn't into it, and for the longest time, I had this this feeling that like everything I've heard him sing on that's not primordial it just doesn't seem right it doesn't sound right to me like his voice is just made for primordial and anything else that he sings on just doesn't feel right and um i felt that way for a long time but i have come around big time on this band um it's it's a real classic kind of black sabbathy you know vibe to it uh, with, with his vocals and some great lyrics that he writes um, but they are signed to Metal Blade uh, same label as Primordial but uh, they're about to release their third album uh, this this week I think this Friday so the new album is going to be called uh, Alchemical Warfare coming out on January 15th so be on the lookout for that it's their third record again that's coming out on Metal Blade and they've released a couple of singles off of it, and I really like them both. But uh, I've revisited the older material um, a lot over the last few months and just really come around big time on this band. I like it a lot more now than I did when I first heard it. But um, but yes, so here we go. This is probably the, the better of the couple of singles that they have released. They've done two singles, I think. So this was the first that they released, and I, I still like it uh, better than the other one. So... Off of the new album, Alchemical Warfare, this is Dread Sovereign with Nature is the Devil's Church.
right. That was Nature is the Devil's Church by Dread Sovereign. I will be listening to that record when it comes out later this week. Looking forward to it. We're going to jump to Sweden here. This is a two-man black metal band that's been around since 2013. I played something off of their last album whenever it was uh, brand new. They're called Bleg, and uh, it's B-H-L-E-G. And uh, they are releasing a new album. This is another one that's coming out on January 15th called Odin, coming out uh, through Nordvis Productions. It's their third record overall. They've put out one in 2014, 2018, and now 2021 as well. So they have been improving steadily um, with each release. The last one I thought was really good, and they have released a couple of singles off of this new one, and I think it's even better. So uh, this is another one that I'm uh, excited to listen to whenever it comes out later this week. But uh, yeah, this is one of those bands that I don't listen to often enough, and it's just uh, one of those things where I come across them on occasion on Spotify or something like that, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I should go back and listen to that <laughs> that album, that last album in there. But um, but yeah, there's no, really not much else to say. It's just damn good black metal, and yeah, <laughs> check out the album when it comes out. So off of the album Odin, this is Bleg with Vis.
That was Bleg from Sweden with Vis. That's coming out on the 15th, and I'm excited for that one. The two singles they've released have been really good, um, and they just keep improving from album to album. Okay, well, I have to mention, of course, one of the biggest uh, pieces of metal news uh, in the last week or so has been the passing of uh, Alexi Lejo from Children of Bodom, and... Um, I was a Children of Bodom fan in high school and then um, didn't really dislike uh, much of their stuff, but I just kind of got played out on it and moved on to other things. They also were one of those bands that um, seemed to be on every tour for a handful of years there, so I definitely got tired of seeing them live. I saw them, I don't even know how many times, but they were just on every tour, and um, I think the best I saw was... Uh, let's see, it was the first time seeing Iced Earth as well. It was Iced Earth with uh, Ripper Owens singing, which was unfortunate, and um, that was my first time seeing Evergrey as well, and then Children of Bodom was on the tour as well, and that was at Deep Ellum Live in Dallas, so it was a fairly small place, um, but it was a great show, and they put on a great show. Um, so yeah, I mean, Children of Bodom, obviously from Finland, uh, of course, the Lake Bodom murders being like the most famous unsolved murder case in the whole country, so the band name alone should give away where they're from, but uh, yeah, they, they formed in 93 under a different name and then disbanded in 97, but that was really just kind of a trick because they were kind of stuck in a record contract that they did not want to be in. And the one way to get out of it was if the band broke up, so they broke up the band and then uh, kind of quietly reformed it with the same members and just changed the name so they could sign with uh, a different label. I think they were trying to sign with Spine Farm. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a cheeky move there. So yeah, they didn't really come to be Children of Bodom until 97. Um, but yeah, they existed from 97 up until 2019. The early records, um, I... I didn't really get into them in time for you know the debut and, and hate breeder and stuff like that but um but really by the time i got into them they were um releasing hate crew death roll and uh, that's when they were really starting to peak and, and get really well known and then uh through my friend chris you know he kind of got into them first as he always seemed to do with uh with bands that i got into he would always find them first and then expose me to it and i would get into it so he kind of exposed me to, you know, albums like Hate Breeder and, and uh, Something Wild and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, so the first, you know, four records were, were fantastic. And then um, after Hate Crew Death Roll, they released uh, Are You Dead Yet? And um, that one wasn't as good to me. That was a bit of a steep uh, drop-off with the, the songs, uh, in my opinion. And then the album after that, Blood Drunk, uh, was probably the last one I had heard of theirs, and um, and I thought it was decent, but you know it was a step better in the right direction, but it still wasn't great. And um, and then I just stopped. So the stuff that came out after Blood Drunk, like there was an album that came out in 2011, and another one, and uh, yeah. So I think it was I didn't pay much attention to Blood Drunk, and then I didn't even pay attention at all to the record in 2011. There's a record in 2013. I mean, there's, they've done 10 albums, so I really kind of lost track after, you know, the first uh, five or six. So there's a lot there that I did not um, know about. I mean, I knew about it, but I hadn't heard. So after uh, Alexi's passing, of course, uh, like many people did, I was going back and revisiting the, the catalog and listening through some things. And 
decided, you know what, I'm going to listen through all those newer albums that I never really gave a shot back in the day. So I started from Blood Drunk and just kind of listened up through all the, the newer stuff. And, you know, it was okay, but one album uh, in that mix that I thought was the best of the newer stuff was uh, an album from 2013 called Halo of Blood. It came out in June of 2013. It's their eighth album out of ten, and that was on Nuclear Blast. But... Uh, that one I liked a lot. I really liked the songs uh, on that one, and there was some moments in there that really felt like old Children of Bodom in there. And really great guitar work, of course. That's just a signature with every uh, Bodom record. And but yeah, I just I thought the keyboards were used better and in a more kind of uh, classic Children of Bodom way on this album. The production I think was better suited uh, for these songs. It wasn't going so much for like heavy chunky. You know, modern metal sound. Uh, it seemed more like a classic Bodum record to me. But uh, listening through, you know, the ninth and tenth albums uh, in their discography, I didn't like those at all. So, but yeah, they disbanded in 2019. And funny enough, the other band members actually have rights to the name. So um, that's why, you know, I'm sure Alexi would have liked to have continued uh, Children of Bodum with new members, but uh, he was not able to do that with the name. So. He started a new band called Bodum After Midnight, and I believe they only played one show. And um, they were working on an EP that had like a couple of new songs, and then a couple of re-recordings of old songs, uh, Bodum songs, or you know some covers or something like that. So it's just meant to be like an EP, but that's going to be released uh, posthumously. And uh, so yeah, it'll be cool to listen to those uh, songs as kind of his last uh, pieces of music that he wrote. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, R.I.P. to Alexi Leho. He was a great guitar player, a really great talent. And, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and celebrate his work here. So off of 2013's Halo of Blood, this is Children of Bodom with Bodom Blue Moon. <laughs>
was Children of Bodom with Bodom Blue Moon. Um, yeah, I, I actually kind of felt bad. Um, you know, when he passed, they don't really release what happened. They just say, oh, he dealt with uh, long-term health issues. So I've been burned too many times where there's been a musician that has passed that to me did not seem at all like the type that would be into drugs or things like that. And then six weeks later, the toxicology comes out and they say, oh, so-and-so died of a heroin overdose. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? That guy? Like, I would have never expected that. So I've been burned too many times, so now I just come to expect it. So anytime somebody passes away when they're that young, I believe he was only 41, 42, something like that. I think he was 41. But, um, but yeah, whenever somebody passes away that young and whenever you ha see pictures of him in the last year or two, from shows he looked really underweight like really frail and skinny and pale and just looked gaunt like in his face and everything and he didn't look well and um you know i obviously don't know what he had going on health wise but i see that and i'm just like oh man that looks like somebody who's battling addiction or something so uh whenever you know my bandmates and friends and stuff were just like well what the hell happened did they say what happened and and I say, oh, it says long-term health issues, but you know what that means. It's probably, probably drugs, probably drugs. And then my bandmate, Justin, chimed in and said, well, not necessarily. He said it could be something like a liver failure or renal failure because he's, he reminded me. He said, remember, like, a handful of years ago when he said something about how he had to, like, doctors told him he had to quit drinking because of what it was doing to his body. So he had been, you know, trying to live uh, the clean life, you know, since then. So he said maybe there was just too much damage from years and years and years of, of drinking a lot. So the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, he's probably right. So I kind of feel like a jerk just immediately assuming it was probably a drug issue. But, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, more often than not, it is a drug issue. But uh, in this case, I think Justin's probably right. It was probably something like that. So I'm interested to see if they ever do release uh, kind of what happened there. But uh, anyways, let's continue on here. We're going to the USA again out of Denver, Colorado. This band's been around since 2012. I played something off of their first record, and it's really intense. Um, I believe they formed originally as a punk band um, years ago, and then they kind of made this transition into death metal, and they've really kind of found their sound and hit their stride. But it's really intense. They Their first album uh, and this one, it, it picks up... There's not a whole lot of development. It seems to just be a continuation of the debut where it's just really fast. It's very just blast beats in every song. There's not a whole lot of uh, rhythm changes like drum changes and things like that. It tends to just kind of, there's little breaks here and there, but for the most part, it doesn't waste much time uh, getting right back into blast beats again. But it's very wall of sound and uh, it's meant to just be a bit of a, an assault on your ears. But uh, it's one of those things, almost like the band Mammoth Grinder, where it's like, if you're in the mood, it's just perfect. If you just want to mosh around and just smash into people and and destroy some shit, that's good music for that. <laughs> so, uh, second album, it's called Sulfuric Disintegration, came out on November 13th of 2020. It's their second album, like I said. This came out on Profound Lore, and um, it's not bad. It took me a while to finally check it out. But uh, like I said, it's not for everyday listening, at least not for me. But, uh, you know, when you're in the mood for something that's really just wall of sound, you know, intensity, uh, this definitely uh, hits the mark. So off of Sulfuric Disintegration, this is Of Feather and Bone with Entropic Self-Immolation. 
All right, that was Of Feather and Bone from Denver, Colorado with Anthropic Self-Immolation. We're going to go to Norway here. This is a new band. Uh, the members have been in other projects, most of which are fairly kind of unknown projects, uh, but they have formed this new band in 2018. It's a five-piece called Urvaherde, which means uh, like Ulv would be wolf, and Ulva would be, you know, wolves, plural. And then the herda part means like to herd, so it basically translates to like a wolf shepherd. Um, but they just released a standalone single um, a little over a week ago. It's their first release of any kind. Um, it's called Jarlen, and that came out on December 30th of 2020 on Dusk Tone Records. And uh, they're working on uh, their debut album, which should be out uh, sometime in the next uh, few months, I believe. I don't see a specific release date or album title. Uh, it's just kind of just this one single to kind of announce their arrival, I guess. And um, But it's good. It's, it's definite, you know, straightforward Norwegian black metal. Like, it's just, there's no frills about it. But it's just really good, has a good atmosphere. And um, I saw... Where did I see this? It might have been Facebook on one of like the black metal promotion, you know, Facebook pages that I follow. These little groups. And uh, I think somebody was, was advertising this single last week, so I gave it a listen and liked it a lot and looked into it and then realized, okay, this is all they have. It's just this one song, but uh, since it's brand spanking new, I decided I would share it and promote this band a little bit. So, with their standalone single, from December 30th, this is Ulva Herda with Jarlin. Yeah. <laughs> 
That was Ulverhörde with Jarlin. Um, interested to hear what else they come up with because, I mean, that's certainly not uh, anything new or fresh in the black metal scene, but it's uh, some solid black metal. I liked that a lot. Um, speaking of solid black metal, we're going to jump back to Finland here. This is a band that's been around since 94. Um, for a while there, all their full lengths were really spread out, but they seem to have gotten more... Um, 
consistent in the last you know decade or or maybe 15 years or so but uh, the band is Horna and Horna is kind of part of the what I consider to be the big three of uh, of Finnish black metal uh, these days which would be Horna, uh, Behexen and Sargeist they all kind of share members at one point or another and um, but yeah Horna I, I own several Horna records uh, from back in the day and I want to say the last one I got came out in like 2008. Like I've heard a lot of the stuff that's come out since then, but I haven't uh, haven't gotten around to purchasing uh, much of it. But their sound is a little different. Their sound has changed. It's evolved over the years. It's a little less. Um, there's still certainly atmosphere to it, but it seems that there's a little less atmosphere in it than I remember. It's a little more straightforward. Um, but yeah, they just released a new record, which is their 10th, which is hard to believe that they've released that many now, because like I said, back in the day, their full lengths used to be really spread out. They did a whole lot of split albums and EPs and just little singles and, you know, but uh, yeah, they, they liked the short release, you know, one or two songs on a split, and then they were just content for another two years until they released something else. But um, but yeah, they've gotten more consistent with the full lengths, and they just released a new one called... Uh, Kuleman Kirio, um, which is called like the Spectrum of Death or something like that. I, I googled that one. Um, so a lot of Norwegian and Swedish. I can kind of put the words together as to what it means, but Finnish is a whole other ball game. But um, I had to Google it, and I already forgot it. But um, but yeah, I've listened to it, and it's kind of on par with uh, the more recent um, uh, Sargeist release. Uh, whenever Sargeist got some member changes and a new drummer and a new singer and stuff like that, they kind of adapted a more straightforward, uh, just full of blast beats, you know, uh, style for their for their newer stuff. And Horna is kind of doing the same, so it's kind of reminiscent of of Sargeist, which is not surprising that those bands all kind of have a similar vibe. But um, but yeah, this tune's a good one. Uh, there's a lot of good tunes on this record, and I really should go back and listen to. Um, their couple of records that came out before this one just to give me a little context because I am a bit out of touch when it comes to Horna but this record came out on December 8th of last year it's their 10th album and it came out on World Terror Committee so I'm going to do my very best with the <laughs> pronunciation so here we go off of Kuliman Curio this is Horna with Shudankuro
That was Horna with Shu Dunkuro. 
I did my best. I'm glad my Finnish friend Yorki doesn't uh, listen to this podcast because he'd probably be uh, punching his, you know, laptop or whatever the hell he's listening to it <laughs> on. He'd throw his phone out the window if he heard my pronunciation, I'm sure. But I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. It's come time to announce the final song of the episode. So thank you once again, everybody, for listening and for telling other people about the show. If you want to tell people where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app, which I love. Or you can listen to the entire catalog of uh, old and new episodes on Spotify. So be sure to find it there and follow it. And uh, any sort of like requests or feedback or recommendations, anything like that, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And then finally, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates regarding new episodes is going to be posted there. Sometimes I'll do poll questions and, you know, just things where I'm asking for your feedback, the listener's feedback. So uh, make sure you uh, follow the Facebook page so you can, you know, be a part of all that. And, uh, yeah, I'm very happy I got this out uh, on time. There's a lot going on. I'm working on finishing up two different uh, releases. You know, the new Krigsgrove album is uh, in full swing here. All the drum tracking has been done for a little while now. But guitar tracking is going full force. And then it'll be my turn to do the bass. And then we're on to vocals and all that fun stuff. So things are kind of full steam ahead with that. And the Giant of the Mountain EP um, called Mountain's Blood um, is getting finished up. It's uh, I should be actually receiving the finished mix um, this evening to listen to. And, and then if we like that, then um, we'll go ahead and, and begin the mastering process. So we're in the home stretch with that one. And I am also learning uh, drum parts for another project, which will remain nameless for the moment. It does have a name, but uh, I don't want to announce that I am drumming for it until I know that I can pull off those drum parts <laughs> because it's all programmed on a drum machine right now and that shit is hard. So I'm trying my best to learn the tunes. It's uh, some pretty complicated arrangements, but uh, things are so far so good. So. I'll have more info on that uh, if and when I can figure this shit out. So until then, let's finish this out. I hope to be returning in two weeks with another new episode. I've already started kind of compiling some songs uh, for that one. So things should be good, should be on track. So we're going to finish this off out of the USA, out of California. This is another five-piece band that's been around since 2013. They describe themselves as like Blackened Doom. Um, and they do have, you know, fair amounts of both genres in their sound, but um, they don't really have much uh, output so far. The band is called Baron Alter, and uh, they just released their debut album in 2018, and they had two EPs prior to that that were self-released, and this uh, debut is self-released as well. It's shown as being an independent release limited to only 300 copies, so they're still pretty underground. Um, uh, I think they're signed now but it's to a smaller label. I meant to jot that down as to who they're signed to currently. But uh, since this album is their most recent and it came out in 2018, I imagine that they're working on new stuff, which will likely come out this year. So uh, the album is called Entrenched in the Faults of the Earth, and that came out in June of 2018. And there's not a ton of songs on it because this is Doom, and of course the songs are quite long. This one's about 11 minutes. You know, I like to finish with a long one. But yes, since it's a more underground band, I wanted to kind of uh, advertise them a little bit, shed some light on their material. So here we go. 
until next time, stay safe, everybody, and I'll see you in two weeks. This is Baron Alter with Call to the Waves. Cheers. Thank you.